When we say call us at Doty Legacy Group, the key word is legacy. It's all about taking care of you and getting it to the next generation the best way possible. Call us at 660-885-8835. Morning. Kevin was singing that song and the word bulwark. I never heard of bulwarks. So I'm looking at it. What does that mean? Do you know what it that means a mighty fortress against tyranny and for freedom. So I'm glad we learned a new word about bulwark. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves this morning, thanking you and praising you for all that we have, for the beautiful day you've given us, the sunshine and the warmth, and just have so many things to be thankful for. We are thankful for this church. We ask you to be with our pastors. He brings a message today that just pierce our heart and the Holy Spirit would intercede. And anyone here that needs to know he is Lord and Savior, this might be the day. For your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing. Our gospel reading, uh, we're going to read aloud together. This is from Mark chapter 12. We're continuing in Mark all the way up until Advent. So let's read aloud together. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue in the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Mark 12, 38 through 44. Amen. You may be seated. So before we continue with uh, singing, um, you all know that in a few weeks we have our Thanksgiving lunch in this room, in this space. So here's the deal. Come to worship, and then Sunday school, and then we're all going to gather in this room and have a little feast, a feast of gratitude. So to help us, uh, if you could... Just let us know that you're coming. You don't have to bring anything. You can bring a dessert if you'd like. Um, if you have the church app, there's a little sign-up kind of thing there where you can just uh, click on it. You can pick however, however many people are coming. You can call the church office. I think there's a link on the church website. I'm not sure, but if there's not, it'll be there on Monday. So just let us know. We're going to have a great time in here at 11. So you'll still get it. I don't know if the Chiefs game is at noon, but you'll still get out in plenty of time. I know those, that's been a problem in the past. Won't be this year. Um, so join us on uh, November 21st. Also, part of that, if you know someone that is uh, homebound or unable to be here physically, you'd like to uh, deliver them a lunch, let us know. Call the church office, and uh, we'll kind of, Keep a tally of those, and we can make up some lunches for you to take that very day as soon as you finish in the room. All right? Okay. As we sing this morning, 
thinking about trusting in Jesus. We thought about him in this opening song, Our Mighty Fortress. So when I think of that often, I think of it being in a really hard trial. We have to trust God in that really hard trial. And this week, as I've been thinking about this theme, uh, it's really occurred to me that I need to trust him in every moment of every day. The coming and going of life, just uh, as Randy has been saying the last few weeks about where we live, work, and play, trusting him in those moments every day. Um, let's trust him more and more. Just to trust His cleansing 
There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever be reminded of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another darkness as the darkness bows to him i can hear the 
Joy of the Lord is my strength. 
I think I may have even seen a little dancing out there. Just saying. Let's read aloud together our psalm. This is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Psalm 127. Amen.
nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power. battle does belong with him, him to him and we can live with less fear uh, because he is the one in whom we can trust Kevin was talking about uh, the songs and the songs that we were singing about trust a moment ago reminded me this evening um, I'll be looking at Psalm 42 and 43 and it's a fact about the fact that looking at the character of God and his character is such we can trust him past, present, and future. So I'd welcome you to the, to the psalm study and to the choir practice. So come, come be, a, be a part of it. You know, we live, we live in a season, it seems to me, of fear. People are are fearful of, uh, of COVID, for one. People are fearful for, uh, regarding their safety. Um, you know, I, I was thinking earlier in the week, I was just talking to one, some of our folks about our safety needs. You know, we never thought about needing someone in the lobby looking out for us while we were gathered for worship. But there's and it comes, it comes with this, this subtle, underlying kind of fear. We don't necessarily call it fear. We may not even feel it fear, um, but, it's, but it's there. It lingers around, and, and we, have to, we, we have to be constantly overcoming it. And what the good news the good news of the scripture is we don't need to be nearly as fearful as we are. And every one of us 
can learn how to reduce fear and increase our faith. And David gives us a great example of, of how to reduce fear and, and increase faith in a, a very familiar story, except the part I'm gonna, going to use this morning is not the part you normally are familiar with. It's David and Goliath, and you know the story of his victory, but it's the back story. It's the, it's the getting ready for his walk out into the Elah Valley to slay the giant. It's the things that happened before he, before he arrived there. The story portion we want to look at this morning is in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to start with verse 17. Now Jesse said to David, to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things in the, with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled him with great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man this keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him, and he will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That was the real motivator. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they'd been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Then Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking to the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done? You know, Eleb's the oldest. David's the youngest. Number one against number eight. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David had said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his, his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. This portion of the story is, is a great example for us in how to reduce fear and increase faith. David, David gives us this good example. He, David is a man who is who in the, the, the scriptures earlier in Samuel is described as living in the power of the Spirit. Um, and, and in the story we read, he's too young to serve in the army, yet he's already been anointed as the king. Go back to chapter 16. And, and he is consist consistently loyal to Saul. But these are not his most impressive characteristics. His most impressive thing about him is he is described as living 
in the power of the Spirit. Now, if we're going to have victory over our fears, those victories come when we yield ourselves to the control of Jesus and we live not in our own strength, not in our own sufficiency, but we live in the power of His Spirit. When we received Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live within us and filled our lives with His Spirit. And it is not our fortitude that overcomes fear. It is His Spirit living in us that enables us to reduce our fear and increase our faith because we are living, as David did, in the power of the Spirit. David, David also boldly expressed his faith. He did this by being the only one in the whole story who, who introduces the idea of the living God. And David just raised the question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I don't know if you noticed, but, but in the story, the armies of Israel are getting ready to take up their lines of war against the Philistines. And, and the story says, they come, they come out it at the, to make their line, shouting the war cry. You know, they were, they were ready for the fight until Goliath steps out into the, in, into the front of the line. And then they wilt in the presence of this, of this giant. Because they're thinking about it seems their own ability to come against this huge obstacle. David's view of it is this, is this is an insult to the living God. This is not about Israel's army. It's not about um, the Philistine army. This is about the living God and the integrity of the living God. And David, David just boldly expresses a different point of view on what he's seeing than what everybody else was experiencing. And he does so with a bold exclamation of his, of his faith. I, I think he gets there because even from his youth, he is described as a man after the Lord's own heart. In the story, did you pick up what his brothers think about him? His brothers think he's conceited. His brothers think he has a wicked heart. And they accuse him of only just coming to the, so he could watch the, the, the gore of the battle. But that's not how 
That's not how Samuel saw him. Samuel saw him. You, rem- you may or may not remember the story, so I'll give it to you quick. The Lord had said, because Saul's disfavor before the Lord, the Lord had told Samuel to go and anoint a king and to go to the house of Jesse. And, they, and Samuel went to the house of Jesse and Je- asked Jesse to bring in his sons. And as his sons came through, uh, Samuel saw how tall one of them was. And, you know, at, at, at that very point in the Scripture, there's a little break in the Scripture that says, that says to, where the Lord says to Samuel, don't look at men the way I look at men or the way you look at men because I look at men differently than you are. This is not the one. And each one paraded past him and none were to be there. Do you have any other son? I have one, but he doesn't count. He's... He's the youngster who's out taking care of sheep. Send for him. And in the story, in the story, the reason he sends for him is because the Lord is looking for a person after his own heart. And David, David is described when he comes in, he is described as a man after the Lord's own heart. Now, his brothers, his brothers may have thought him wicked-hearted, but God saw him as a man after his own heart. You see, when we seek after God's heart, our faith increases and fear diminishes. When we focus our energy not on circumstances, but upon the glory of God, Our faith grows and our fear shrinks. David, David was a man after God's own heart who possessed a youthful nerve and passionate faith. Now, when each one of us in this room were younger, we would we would try things that we might not try now, right? Yeah. Because we had this youthful kind of nerve. Well, sometimes we still try them. It just hurts more, right? It just hurts more. We had this youthful nerve. David comes into the, into the picture with a, with a youthful kind of nerve. In, in verses 34 and when he's talking to Saul about his about his success over lions and bears, you just see him, you can just see him beaming with this youthful nerve. Bring it on. Bring it on. And and and, and he's also described as a as ha- expresses a passionate faith. Because in the language of David, he went from the living God to the basis of his faith 
the Lord rescued me. It wasn't his doing, but it was he has this passion and faith because he understands that grabbing the lion by the mane and, and killing him was not his doing. It was the Lord's delivering. When we recognize the battle's not ours, it's his. It's a great song for just before this sermon, by the way. The battle's not ours, it's his. And David understood the battle belonged to the Lord. And when, when we recognize the battle belongs to the Lord, then we join David in his, he just underst- in the understanding that the battle he faced was about the integrity of the living God, Yahweh, his Lord. And surrounded, surrounded by those who could only see obstacles, David act in risky, decisive ways to honor the Lord. And following David's example can increase our faith and decrease our fears. So the application really is in how we see or view circumstances. Do we see obstacle or opportunity? Israel's army saw the nine foot nine inch heavily armored and well-armed Goliath. When, when we see obstacle, we respond in fear. Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified of Goliath. Early in chapter 17, they're described this way. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled him in great fear. The army was paralyzed by fear. And then when Saul finally decides David is okay to do this, Saul is so entrapped with with tradition that fear wells up in his life. And so he does the traditional thing. He puts the armor his armor on David. See, Saul and his army, they were viewing the obstacle in what was the circumstance in front of them as this huge, insurmountable obstacle, an ob, a fear-producing obstacle. David, on the other hand, David saw, David saw opportunity. David said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your your servant will go and fight him. When we see opportunity and we respond in faith, um, David, it's like David asking, 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defy the armies of God? And so at that point, you know, when David sees opportunity, he leaves behind the, ar the, the armor of Saul and he fights Goliath, not with the warrior's tools, but with his everyday tools. The things that made a difference in his life every single day, the tools he used, were the tools he would take into the battle. David's view of the circumstances reflects this familiar everyday faith as opposed to a situational building up, a bulking up of faith. You know, sometimes we look at things and we think, oh, I just got to, I got to, I got to conjure up some faith. I got to increase my faith. Well, David's story tells us it's not about bulking up faith. It's about daily faith. And the faith we express today empowers our opportunity to have faith in the face of fear. So David's story is a, is a call to faith and faithfulness for each and every one of us. I believe God sets before us opportunity every day. On good days, I see opportunity. On not so good days, I see obstacle. I have exactly the same struggle that you have. Sometimes I see opportunity, sometimes I see obstacle. Sometimes, sometimes I have faith and sometimes I have fear. But what I know from the scripture is I don't have to be nearly as fearful as sometimes I am. And when, when, so I pray. I pray to see opportunity. And I pray to respond with faith. You see, because, and, and the removal of, and, and, and the remove and I pray for the removal of fear. See, there's we all need just a little more youthful nerve and passionate faith in our lives. And the Bible, the Bible places God's clear call before us daily. The question is, how will we respond? Will it be, will it be with fear or with faith? The Bible tells us love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's a clear call. It's a clear instruction. How do we respond? Does your lifestyle reveal your love for God? Or does your lifestyle make you out to be a secret follower? Love the Lord your God. Loving God gets visualized in my everyday life. 
for the world to see. The Bible says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It's a clear call. We are his witnesses. Our opportunities to have gospel conversations met with fear or faith. I tried to help you a little bit with that last week. I will address it again uh, before long. Just another method of how to share a gospel conversation. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a clear call. How many times have we allowed our neighbor's behavior to be an obstacle to our obedience? Instead of loving them, we label them, those people. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Are we responding with fear or faith when the opportunity to love someone who's not like us is presented before us? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And he said, go make disciples. The commissions of Jesus are a clear call in our lives. Is fear motivating in you a let somebody else do it attitude? No. I'll just I'll just duck and turn the other direction and let somebody else do it but they didn't see the opportunity because the opportunity was yours and not theirs. And you hid from it. See, it's fear that causes us to hide from those opportunities. It is faith that enables us to step into them. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. It is a clear call. Is your message, is your message a message of reconciliation in our community? Is your message a message of reconciliation racially, politically, socially, spiritually? Or has Fear silenced Christ's ambassador. Only you can answer these questions when the call, the clear call is set before you. But fear is overcome by the daily exercise of faith. It is faith in daily tasks of watching sheep and delivering cheese 
which enabled David to be fearless before the giant. Exercise your faith, and you will fear less. And faith in, faith in Jesus is the beginning of a fearless life. Some of us need to just initially give Jesus the control of our lives this morning. If, if it's you who've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, just this faith that gets you past the obstacles of fear starts by being, by giving Jesus the control of your life. So in a moment, we're going to sing, and as we sing, I just want to ask you, if today you would trust Jesus, would you, would you just step out from where you're standing and come and share with me here at the front your desire to publicly acknowledge Jesus in your life? Or if you join us online, just click the I want Jesus in my life button on the website, firstbaptistclinton.church. Or you may text or call me personally. My number is 660-890-4150. Text or call me if today you would give Jesus the control of your life. So for those of us who are believers in this room, it's a call to renewal of faith that I set before us today. It was, it was in the daily exercise of his duties. David garnered the faith to face the giant because he was faithful in tending the sheep. He was faithful in delivering the cheese. Do we just need today to renew our commitment to be faithful to Jesus? Perhaps some of you may be ready to take the membership step and join with us. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Would you come and join us in the mission? We stand together to sing. As we sing, if you need to confess Jesus publicly as Lord, come now. If you desire to unite with us in membership, come now. Uh, while we're singing, you'll respond as the Spirit leads you today. Is the safest place of all. 